Grapple fans, and I'm about to batter the shit out of you, verbally that is, as we watch another five-star match rated by Dave Meltzer for this podcast series, Let Me Tell You Something. Me and my booted-in-the-shin co-host, Simon Cross, have been watching every match that Dave Meltzer has given five stars, and we're going to watch what must be one of the shortest matches that we've covered in this list, maybe the shortest match. It is the maybe shortest five-star Tiger match. Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid and the Fantastics against the Sheep Herders. Oh, that's true. Um, but anyway... No, I think this is slightly shorter. Yeah. I mean, uh, increasingly as these episodes have gone on, our, ma- um, our episodes have been longer than the matches themselves. But this one, I don't think we could, you know... With the preamble and the, and the and the social media contacts, it's almost the whole thing. <laughs> uh, but what we're talking about is another New Japan match. It's one of the first matches under the G1. It might be the first G1 Climax match, actually, to get five stars from Dave Meltzer. What are we talking about today, Simon? We're talking about Katsuri Shibata. Katsuyori. Katsuyori. You're going to hear terrible pronunciation throughout this phase. Let me tell you something. There we go, see? Hold it. I did warn you. Wow. Against Tomohiro Ishii. E. Tomohiro Ishii. See, this is going to be... but I'm going to butcher Japanese throughout this. So, Sai, did you know much about... Since you didn't know their names, did you know much about either of these guys <laughs> and their, and their styles of wrestling? Uh, obviously, at the time of recording, we've just had Shibata's... Shibata, in... not Shibata. Shibata. Sorry, I'm thinking of Shibata. I'm just hungry. Alright. Hungry for a um... kick in the <clears throat> mouth. Uh, I've just seen Shibata's um, in-ring interaction, which is his first in-ring interaction for quite some time uh, since his indefinite leave through injury. Um, I like what I, I, I like what I saw uh, in that little in-ring interaction. It, it whetted my appetite. But it also maybe gave you a hint as to why it was. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. He's like a spindly Koto Ibushi in terms of his well-being for himself. Yes. So, what this match... I'd be very... This match is... Um, I mean, for to give you some idea of its popularity, uh, Jim Smallman, long-time runner of Progress Wrestling, now the main creative force behind NXT UK, I believe, uh, has cited this as his second favourite match of all time. His favourite match being uh, CM Punk against John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. So this will be his second favourite match for entirely different kind of reasons. And this is a match that I think would possibly go over really well with people who aren't wrestling fans. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yes, it's combat, it's not wrestling. It feels like every single move done in this match is done with as close to full impact as it's possible to do. Yes. Both men just are leathering each other from the start. And they're essentially two guys who pride themselves on their toughness and their striking capabilities. And this was a match of two men just... There's no sophistication. There's no targeted neck and arm work in this match like there is with the Tanahashi Okada matches or even the Tanahashi Suzuki matches. And Suzuki is definitely someone closer to this style. It strikes a parallel 
for me, with one of our alternate five-star matches that we've talked about, the I Quit Cage match, in that they're almost not matches in the classical sense, at least as far as I define them. Uh, the I Quit match being like a bloody scrap at like the end of a like a um, mm. end of an action movie. I equate this to like the bar fight scene in a movie. Mm. It's just two blokes trying to prove how hard they are and just lumping each other. Well, here's the question. Like, a lot of people criticise a lot of wrestling now for a lack of selling. You can either argue this has terrible selling or it has the best kind of selling in that when they sell, it's earned and it's like it tells... It works within the narrative of the match because this is about two prideful fighters trying to prove something to one another. Yes. Immediately, they know it's like Ishii's like the muscle of chaos, and this G one, I think it was his first G one climax. Possibly, I'll look up the stats for some information. But this was him trying to essentially get into a like it was a proving ground for him because they both come from very different kind of um, pedigrees. Essentially, Shibata mm. was a young lion. He was seen as the third part of a fourth generation Three Musketeers alongside Tanahashi and Nakamura. And like Nakamura, he had legitimate fighting skills. He was very much... he was, Whilst he was a Three Musketeer, and I guess you would say he's the closest one to Shinya Hashimoto in that he was a striker, more first and foremost, he was also had a bit of the Akira Maeda attitude about him. And there were some real philosophical differences between him and Tanahashi and him and Nakamura. To the point that there was like a sort of shoot, possibly, when he had a one G1 Climax match with Nakamura where he mocked something that Nakamura had said after he lost one of his MMA fights that he'd taken part in. And eventually Shibata just ended up leaving the promotion where he was being groomed to be a multiple-time IWGP champion, probably, and he would have been trading the belt backwards and forwards with Nakamura and Tanahashi, who ultimately ended up trading it between themselves. Yeah. Um, while Shibata went off and entered the world of MMA, had a fairly mixed record, nothing really that impressive overall. And he also then sort of became a freelance wrestler working in other places, including Noah, where he became good friends with Kenta, which now bleeds into the storylines that he is now. So he was this freelance worker and he returned to New Japan a couple of years ago along with um, Kazushi Sakuraba, uh, a big name in the history of MMA in Japan. And he was basically unwelcome and he had to eat a lot of shit, uh, losing matches that maybe he wouldn't have if he was in that, if he'd stayed in New Japan up to that point. Yeah. A few with the third generation of wrestlers. And so, ultimately, he's going into these G1 climaxes trying to prove something. Uh, yeah, he ended up with a, well, he ended up with an MMA record of four eleven and one, which Ooh. is not great. Um, but obviously, still hard as fucking nails. Yeah. Whereas Tomohiro Ishii, on the other hand, was um, a journeyman essentially. He wrestled all over the place. He didn't get into like the New Japan dojos or anything like that. He modelled himself after Ricky Choshu, who was his true hero and he was uh he wrestled in war he wrestled in um uh, all japan toriyaman which later became dragon gate fighting world of japan pro wrestling which was ricky choshu's promotion 
one which was Shinya Hashimoto's splinter organization from New Japan. He was a sh- he's a short guy. He's like legit five foot five, maybe five foot six at a stretch. But he's squat short, stocky, stocky yeah. dude. So he's he's got to be a heavyweight, but he's theoretically at a disadvantage. So he started sporadically appearing in New Japan for the next few years, but he was never anything other than low, low level. He was like the guy that would take the pinfalls in six-man tag matches. He did actually feud with Tiger Mask for a while uh, when he was in the junior division, but eventually he had to, uh, uh, as Black Tiger, I believe. um, Jesus, that's a wide Black Tiger. I might be wrong there. No, sorry, I was wrong. Yeah, he, he just, he feuded with... Tiger Mask, but then he made the step up to the heavyweight division, but he, like, again, he was low on the pecking order within uh, his promo, uh, within his organization of Chaos. He's an outsider as well. It's very hard for them to get a real grounding in New Japan. Yeah. As Meltzer himself says, Ishii is the ultimate example of a guy who was destined to just be a decent worker on the undercard. But this was his first ever G1 climax that he got into. At this point, I think he'd lost every match going into this match in the series and i think shibata had won every match going into this series okay so this is ishii's debut in g1 climax at quite an old age for him he would have been at this point 36 making his g1 climax debut and so both men sort of have something to prove shibata's like this guy thinks he's tough well i'm laying waste to everyone along the way at the moment so he's just another Stepping guy Whereas to get rid Ishii of. Whereas is just desperate for a win to earn legitimacy of being in this tournament. To prove he can not... Well, he's closer to sitting at the top table than people realise. And like I said, it's obvious that both men think of themselves the toughest guy in the promotion. Not only can they dish out nasty, nasty strikes, they can take anything. And so that's where the no-selling comes from at the start. And they, like I said, they charge each other and they hit. They both sort of boot each other. Shibata, it kind of works because Shibata's got the height advantage that, and whilst Ishii has a size disadvantage, he is knocked off his feet, but he immediately gets back up. And then it's just forearms, just dishing them out like no one business. Like they start with that like running forearm collision first, and then they start trading face well, to face. They're not even trading one after the other. They're both just hitting relentless. Uh, run, uh, just, it's just barraging each other. It's yeah, pure and simple. Which again, Shibata wins that exchange and boots Ishii into the corner, and just everything looks like it fucking hurts, and no one quite gets the advantage for a while. Like when one will hit some, like you, you, you know, Shibata whips Ishii into the corner, but Shibata follows up with a massive lariat, and then they both hit forearms and fall to the ground, and then it's a forearm off. So it is that. Ultimate machismo, fighting spirits. You know, we'll just trade mm. blows until one of us can't go on anymore. So, uh, uh, they do a forearm off. Shibata hits a boot, but then Ishii cut fights back. And they and, uh, and Shibata's staggered, so they both take in terms to sort of be one-upped. So, Ishii wins that return exchange and floors Shibata with a boot. But then Shibata no-sells and drops Ishii with a really nasty kick, a uh, charging kick. And then um, yeah, then they just start uh, exchanging chops. And then it's Ishii's chops against Shibata's kicks. 
And this is where the greatness of no selling or delayed selling works. Do you know where I'm at? Where I'm at at this point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I, I was just wondering if whether or not you, because there's so many kicks and chops. I'm yeah, just wondering yeah. if you've glossed over the. Uh, I didn't keep count this time, like with the kabashis chopped in the yeah. corner. But there's. I, so, I'm just waiting for that extreme dick measuring spot that they had between each other. Uh, well, Shibata keeps hitting kicks at, at targeting sort of Ishii's arms where he's going to chop him back, and they are stand like like literally at one point Shibata sort of puffs his chest out like a peacock ready for Ishii to hit him back. But then at one point, Ishii rears, like, gears his arm up to go for the chop, but he can't hold it back anymore. The pain has overtook him. Yeah. And so then it's like Shibata smells the blood in the water and goes straight after him. Um, yeah, then he just, go, like, goes for forearms. And at this point, Ishii's almost like, I've shown a, a, a brief moment of weakness. I can't have this. So he's just screaming in his face while Shibata's just peppering him with <laughs> forearms, bringing him down to the ground, and, and Ishii won't stop yelling at him whilst he's doing it. And then Shibata hits his awesome running drop kick from one corner to the other. Oh, that is beautiful. With the I do sp- love that. The height he gets. He well. almost seems to freeze in midair as well. And this is one yeah, of those he examples. Yeah, he gets practice time. Yeah, and this is one of those examples of New Japan's camera work looking so cool. How he starts off as this small figure in the distance, and then just comes flying into the shot. Essentially, <laughs> it's beautiful. I I love it. I just love the height. I I I I, I obsess about it the same way I obsess about Akada's standing drop kick. It just hangs. But Akada's is slightly different, like, in terms of he just seems to get higher even when, like, momentum's yeah. run out. Well, again, it's, it's kind of like the difference between Masara and Kawada. Okada's going for precision. Shibata's going for blunt force. Speed. Yeah. And the thing that, one of the key things, that I think, with the Shibata character is that, like, he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. And there are oh, no, I definitely got match, that impression. There are the moments in this match where you feel like he's got Ishii finished, but he wants to finish him the right way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he kicks Ishii to the outside. Ishii comes back in. Uh, I love the. Uh, this is my notes I made. Uh, uh, snapmare kick. Ishii yells for more. Shibata provides. This is the bit now. This is what I, I was on about. This is like where it starts getting a bit dick measuring. Yeah. Uh, they, Go on, sorry. They, they just take turns, like inviting kicks onto each other. Yeah. Well, it's also and that thing, just. Yeah. Sorry, go on. And that's the bit when I was thinking that like, this is a pub fight. Uh, that's the bit where the two blokes have both ripped off their shirt uh, and are both like just going, "Come on, then!" Yeah. But and the other bloke actually is, so they have to sort of front up to it, which they're more than willing to do in this particular case. So yeah, like like you say, it's essentially just trade off of shot uh, strikes, them trying to show no pain, and then when they do show weakness, they're trying not to show it. Like the bit where, like, Ishii's willing himself to get up even though he's falling into the corner. Um, yeah. Shibata's the same at various points as well. Although less so, I think. Uh, Ishii does more, not consistent selling, but I think he does more selling overall in the match. What do you think of this style? Do you think it works? It's... And if it does work, it's only in a 12-minute match. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you couldn't do this for any longer. It also it's... works in the G1 Climax structure of it being a 30-minute match, and also they have such a grueling tour. In theory, mm. they want to finish it as quickly as they can. Yeah. It's it's mad. It's madness, in a sense. It's it's enjoyable madness, though. It's, oh, it's so hard to easily define this. It's its own thing, 
Mm. Um, That's why I said I think... it might be interesting. I think I will probably try and show this match to my friends who don't really watch wrestling. Yeah. It's like, it's 12 minutes. I just want to see what you think of this. Yeah. It's its own thing. I don't think... I think you're right. I think if they tried to build upon it and make it longer, I I think it would wear very thin. It's sort of like... uh, Just Turbo King's Road, in a sense. In terms of... I would say it's more uh, strong style because it's so focused on striking. Yeah. And not really layered selling. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think the I problem see is you weren't saying. seeing a lot of 90s New Japan where it was guys like Shinya Hashimoto yeah. laying in with the kicks and the you know and the chops and everything. Yeah, but working off what I have seen, mm. uh, I, I draw that comparison purely because it, it, it feels very much like that haymaker stretch in a King's Road match, if you, you get where I'm coming from. It's only that part. <laughs> That's what I mean, it's just that. But it's also sped up that as well, if you see what I mean. Because they haven't had the, had to sell for thirty minutes first. Mm. Yeah, they're just from Jump Street going for it. It's like a highlights package in in real time. Yeah, um, it's twenty twenty cricket. But again, in, like in with, the Japanese wrestling world, again, like with New Japan, like with Japanese wrestling, though, there's layered storytelling and a significance of of a history behind it. Because if you look at how Shibata looks as a wrestler, he's basically still got his young lions look, except he's added kick pads. Yeah, he, he, he struck to... me as a uh, warrior Kenta in this I was going to suggest Koji Kanemoto as well. Okay. Uh, even down to the black trunks and everything, although like he's mm. even more basic. Cause, and like Shibata's nickname is The Wrestler. Brilliant. That's his name, The Wrestler. Is that because he looks uh, a little Shibata. bit like Mickey Rourke in certain lights? I don't know. Um, but uh, So there's a moment then when he gets... Uh, Ishii in the Boston Crab, and now within the context of New Japan, to lose to a crab hold when you're a mat- when you're a senior wrestler is quite humiliating it's because that's the move that young lions always do to win matches. Basically, yeah. the vast majority of young lions matches are won by a Boston Crab. So it's sort of Shibata both saying like, "This is where you belong." Like on an undercard, you you know you're you're barely better than a young lion, and I'll finish you with a young lion finisher. But also, it works within Shibata's character as well, because Shibata is just so no-nonsense. It is just... Like, when you, when you watch Young Lions matches, they're basically doing strikes and a submission hold. And that's pretty much all Shibata is still. Strikes yeah. and occasional submission holds. He's not, like, doing high-fly flows and intricate submission holds and, and elaborate rainmaker finishes or anything like that. He will just slap you, kick you, punch you, drop kick you... And if you're still around, then he'll kick you again, and then maybe do a submission hold. Just scanning through my notes, all I've all, all I do have for Shibata in this match is strike-based moves mm. and free submission holds. And then after he releases the uh, f- um, when he reaches the ropes, what's the next move that he puts Ishii in? An STF. The F. The most Which, fundamental Luthes submission hold. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one that everyone in Japan would know. It's not a complex one. And here's where we get some more of that King's Road thing. We get the pop-up cell. Because Shibata hits a re- release German suplex and Ishii jumps right back up. And immediately is in a position to give him a, really, a German suplex. Ishii seems to be almost as close as you get to seeing Kawada in New Japan. Although I know Kawada did wrestle in New Japan, but I mean prime era Kawada. Mm. There's a lot of Kawada in Ishii, I think. 
Yeah. I guess in terms of body shape. But also the way that he sells as well in, in a different kind oh, of... Oh, no, I was going to go sli- somewhere slightly different in terms of, like, body shape. Um, He's a bit shorter even... than Kawada, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think also because his stockiness just reminds me a little bit of Michael Elgin. Mm. Yeah. If you see where I'm coming from there, he's, and they've got sort of that low he, centrality spring-upness, but explosiveness as well. He's also kind of like the wrestler I think Taz thinks he is, thought he was. <laughs> now, now be, well, to be fair, Taz... Yeah, I could see that, actually. I could see where you're coming from there. So again, Ishii just calls out for another forearm exchange and hits and wins that one. Uh, Shibata uh, lost that exchange... But then uh, he smacks, he catches uh, Ishii with a lariat, and then, uh, and then Ishii hits him with a lariat as well, and they both kick out at one. Again, it's that thing of like they can't even mm. show a moment's weakness. They won't even wait. They won't even hold out for a two count. They need to get out immediately, and that gets a big reaction as well. That it's just literally a one count when you're like they've been hurt more than a one count's worth at this point. Uh, the one is, that's a pride thing. It's like, oh, maybe I could take that extra second and then use, and then get up. But it's like, no, I'm not showing anything here. And really, is a sign that they are really hurt more than their one can would suggest. They're now fighting on their knees, and they won't go down. And then this comes to the scary part: the the head butting. Yeah, knowing what I know about Spatter yeah. before. I watched this match that I, I felt uncomfortable there. Yeah, I've, I've, every time I've seen unprotected headbutts, I've never felt comfortable. I, d- I don't want to see it. Mm. It's not worth the reaction it provokes from me for the potential damage that it can cause. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've talked about the top rope headbutt as well. Uh, the, just, just don't, don't, don't land on, don't put your head in where it does, uh, don't cause your head any undue, like, mm damage it doesn't need it again shibata sticking to the fundamentals he gets he first goes for a sleeper hold and then it's just basically a bully choke on ishii and at this point ishii starts frothing at the mouth which is some awesome i love that selling details it's beautiful um barely reaches the ropes shibata hits him with a kick ishii responds with an enziguri shibata goes back with a knee drop to the head and ishii hits a lariat that gets a one count Ishii hits another lariat, that gets a two count. Ishii hits his brain buster, that gets the three count at 12 minutes, 16 seconds. And the crowd, the, the crowd don't get like a low period during this match. So it, they're like, it, they sort of seem relieved, but in yeah. the, it, relieved in the way when you go on a roller coaster that gives you that massive adrenaline rush, you're glad it's over, yeah. but you also want more of it. Yeah. So this is an extreme example of, of a particular kind of wrestling match that it obviously has its fans. Are you one of them, Simon? And would you give this match five stars? I am a fan of this match. I wouldn't give it five stars. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a fan of the match. I'm not a five-star fan of the match. Yeah. But I, I, if, if I, but I can't dispute someone else. Like Jim Simon was saying, this is my second favorite match of all time. I can absolutely understand what he likes about wrestling, and that would be why it would be up there. Oh no, I, I totally understand that there will be a set of people out there who will go, "This is amazing. This is what I want." And like I said, I might show this to some friends, and some people will be like, "If wrestling was always like this, I'd watch this." It might be like the sort of stuff people who liked Bushido 
You know the <laughs> I know you hated that UWF shoot star match, but it's like it's it's, it's another extreme of that almost. Yeah, yeah. It was because that was also about no selling, and then the moment that it does sell, that's significant. Yeah, less of less of an emphasis on the submission grappling or anything like that, and the, and they're actually trying to block the kicks as opposed to taking them full force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the less well, I, I don't. I think there like... are some people who don't know much about wrestling that will watch this and think, "Wait, is this is this real?" Like you don't follow MMA or anything like that. Yeah, you've seen like a real fight that might think this looks a lot closer to a real fight than most wrestling does. It has that element to it. Yes. Um... But it straddles that line well. Again, uh, the closest comparison I have to it is that ultimate match we reviewed. Mm. That that blurred the line, also blurred the line between wrestling and fighting, mm. but did it in a way that was conducive to the story. Whereas my personal feeling on the UWF stuff, what it, it that that just didn't work for me, the way that worked. But this this these two are great examples of. You can blur the lines. A great recent high-profile example of this, although they didn't do this for the whole match, was the opening couple of minutes of Goldberg-Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yes, yes, I can see where you're coming from. Although neither of them would want to take the the, the sort of beating. Punishment. No, no, that was a, like diluted westernized old western old man version uh, yeah i get where you're coming from if brock lesnar wanted to he could wrestle this style of match and look fucking ridiculous in it yeah i mean there are people right now who are making the case that ishii is the best wrestler in the world right now and we'll watch some more of his matches i think he had the best g1 climax for star ratings from Meltzer. Uh, for 2019 and possibly 2018 like i said this was his debut in the g1 climax he was the only one in his block that ended with six points he was like at the bottom of his block uh shibata ended up with 10 uh finishing second to tanahashi who had 11 that also uh featured another tanahashi okada match ah, okay so a... so this match effects that he costs shibata yes, a block basically. play yeah yeah again another example of shibata being his own worst enemy which, you know, in, in many ways, would, given how he ended up retiring from a headbutt that he inflicted on someone else, almost bleeds into his real life as well. Yeah. But we'll have more Shabbat to talk about. We'll have a lot more Ishii to talk about. In fact, not only will we have a lot more of Shabbat to talk about, we'll have more to talk about him in the next episode. Because our next episode, Simon, do you have it to hand or do you want me to... In- to- I will let you keep your flow alive. Shabbata returns and another per- uh, recent participant returns as well. It's Shibata against his former musketeer comrade, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, that will be a style battle. You You know what? You thought Suzuki liked to lay in a beating. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you something, fans can uh, get their bingo cards ready, because that sounds tasty. (laughs) But anyway, if you want to get in touch with you beforehand, side to maybe give you some more ideas for what this style of wrestling has to offer, how can they do so? Uh, then get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm sewn under Simon Cross free. Free for the uh, times of speed I thought I was watching this match at before I had to double check and realise I was watching it at regular speed. What, what would you say was quicker, this or the Dragon Gate match? Dragon Gate match, but Dragon Gate match is just... that Those guys are freaks. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no two ways about it. <laughs> My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for accidental, N for noggin knocker. 
<laughs> that's my Twitter account. That's my Instagram account. That's my email address. Put at gmail.com at the end of it. Facebook, Let's Box the Like. Uh, read my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, but buy it as well. Don't just find other ways to read it. Um, but there's nothing else left to say now at this point, except my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something, and have a five-star time. Until the next time.